At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Save big money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. This is the longest, shortest time. I'm Hillary Frank, and I'm here in the studio with my producer, Abigail Keel. Hi, Abigail. Hello. So, Abigail, we just came off of a two-parter on placenta encapsulation. Mm. That's where people turn their placentas (laughs) into little pills and swallow them down um, in the hope that they will prevent themselves from getting postpartum depression. That's right. So those those stories were really fun to make. They they took a lot of work. So yeah, we had trips to New Jersey. We had calls across the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but lots lots of research on right. placenta. Lots of images on the internet we can't unsee. <laughs> so and so we have a lot of exciting episodes coming up too, right? That's right. We've been working on collecting sex questions for another episode of. The Parents' Guide to Doing It with the amazing Esther Perel. That's right. So she she wrote Mating in Captivity. Mm-hmm. She's like one of the most famous, maybe the most famous sex therapist. Yeah. She's hip. Yeah. <laughs> and how, how can people – we're still collecting questions for that, right? How can people sure. send those in if they want to? Yeah, they can always email them to hello at longestshortesttime.com and okay. we'll follow up. Okay. And um, so we've got that coming. What else? Very soon, we're going to hear from Anna Sale, who just had her first child. And Anna hosts um, the wonderful Death, Sex, and Money podcast. Right. And then we also have um, an exciting appearance later in the season from uh, a child chef. That's right. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait for the child chef. Um, among many other things. <laughs> so, so these episodes, they take a lot of work. Uh, we love doing it, but it's also like a lot of work equals stress. Yeah. Um, yes. It's unavoidable. And, you know, I've been thinking about it. And when I was like stressed out in middle school, um, I would just tune into my Walkman and put on a really good cassette. And um, the one that I turned to over and over again that I, that really stands out for me <laughs> is um, Richard Marx's Repeat Offender. <laughs> Wow, that's beautiful. That's, yeah, yeah. And the and the lyrics just felt so true. You go, you do. Okay, so right here, waiting is one that I would just, I would rewind. I would just hit rewind over and over again. Uh, but it, I really just me- remember being like, oh yeah, yeah, right here, waiting for you. And I think like I don't even know if I was like thinking about a crush or something. I was like, you know, twelve years old or something. And right. So we're going to give everyone, like, a chill pill 
in the form of a Richard Marks interview. <laughs> this interview comes from Howl, which okay. is the premium service from Earwolf, which is – that's our network. Um, and the show is called Father Time. And it's hosted by Jamie Kaler, who's who's um, an actor from Friends and How I Met Your Mother. And um, kind of up until now, Jamie Kaler has lived like the bachelor lifestyle. Right. He turned 50 recently, and now he has two kids under the age of two. Whoa. So he has been wanting to talk to people about fatherhood. Um, and so that's what his show is about. He he interviews dads. Right. And the dad in this interview that we're going to play for you is, of course, Richard Marks. And tell me, what 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 did you learn about Richard in this interview that you didn't know about him <laughs> before? I learned that he is he was like a dream son. Oh. Like he would have been such a good son to have. <laughs> I see things from the motherhood perspective now. Um, he, uh, he was very self-motivated, um, very close to his father. And in fact, his dad um, is responsible for a lot of the music that I had stuck in my head as a kid as well. Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna just leave that as a tease. Ooh, yeah, all right, for people to find out. And um, so in this interview, Richard Marks came in, and he also brought his son Luke, who's in his 20s. All right, well, um, let's let's give the people what they want. <laughs> yeah, let's play this episode of Father Time, and we'll be back next week with a bunch of new episodes, starting with Anna Sale. That's right, and I, you guys will be right here waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely played. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to another uh, edition of Father Time, um, and my guest today is, uh, I, he's one of my favorites. Uh, he has, here's, here's I, dude, I Googled you. You did not. Of course I did. Are you kidding me? And you were like, whoa, he did that? I thought that was Brian Adams. <laughs> <laughs> you and he, I want to see a, a celebrity death match between the two of you, uh, if you can only be so lucky. Your career is ridiculous. Um, you started as a backup singer. For people like Lionel Richie, Whitney Houston, Julio Iglesias, then you were like, wait, I can write songs. And so you started writing songs uh, for Kenny Rogers and then later on for NSYNC, Luther Vandross, and you won a Grammy for that one. And then you were like, you know what? I not only can write songs, but I can sing them and shoot to number one with hits like Don't Mean Nothing, Should Have Known Better, Endless Summer Nights, Right Here Waiting, which has been – I mean, I, I shot you a text from – the store when I was listening to it just recently <laughs> when I was dancing and the guy was like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. My guest today is Mr. Richard Marks and his son Luke is here today. Yay! Yay! Yay. I, it's going to be one of my favorite shows because, um, you know, rock star slash dad is an odd mm. combination. Well, let's Not to have children, but to actually raise them to be nice young people. Oh, well, that's so very time. nice of you. Um, he, is, he is an incredibly I, nice guy, but I got to tell you, Let's just cut right to a segue because you unknowingly introed it. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, maybe four or five years ago, Lucas and I were running around and we stopped at the grocery store, mm. which is where you heard my song and you mm -hmm. texted me from there. Mm -hmm. I'm huge in grocery stores. Yeah, they love you Dude, there. Blowing up in they grocery love, stores. Yeah, I'm blowing up in grocery stores. CVS. Yeah, CVS. Is, I'm huge in CVS yeah. and Rite Aid. Um, so we're in the grocery store. Looking for something, and Luke goes, "Dad, Dad!" And he points up, and they were playing "Should Have Known Better" or something on the mm -hmm. on the system. 
And I went, oh, and Luke went, we must be in the 80s aisle. <laughs> you dick. Yeah, what a dick. What a dick. I'm, so nice. I said, hey, remember when you were in my will? Yeah, not so much anymore. Yeah, and remember <laughs> that beautiful home you grew up in and the, and the yeah. food and, the, See and you later. the schools you went to? You yeah. know what paid for that? That song. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, dude, it's amazing. I mean, your, your body of work's ridiculous. And your new album, which we'll talk, we'll get into detail later, is Beautiful Goodbye, which is amazing, and now on iTunes, and you're touring it. You just keep recording. You just can't sit still and enjoy the money and the fame. You just need more. No, I mean, I, I love what I do. And um, and the idea of not I'm, – I'm going to write songs anyway. It's like flossing, you know? It's, like I, <laughs> it's so it's, easy for it's, you. No, it's just something I do all, right. you know, every day. It's like I, I, I can't remember a 24-hour period where I didn't write some piece right. of music. So it, that's going to happen <clears throat> anyway. Um, well, let's talk about your childhood because you, your dad is a famous jingle writer. Yeah. So you kind of grew up in a musical household where your dad was writing such, I mean. Two scoops of raisins in a package of Kellogg's Raisin Bran. That's your dad. My dad wrote that, yeah. <laughs> there's, mil- there's hundreds of them. Ask any mermaid you happen to see. What's the best tuna? Chicken of the sea. You're, you you don't remember that. Of name. course I you do. do. Okay. Oh, dude, I'm ancient. <laughs> That's why this show is called Father Time. Okay. <laughs> I'm old. Yeah, yeah of right. course I do. Yeah, he wrote like hundreds of those uh, catchy 30-second hits. Uh, so, yes, I grew up watching my father, who was not a rock star, but he was a professional musician, um, balance – his passion for what he did because he loved making music and raising me. Do you have brothers and sisters? No. Only child. Mm-hmm. Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about your dad. What was it like growing up with a – did he go to the office every day to write music or was yeah. he writing it at home? He wrote at home at night for the – you know, he would prepare the next day's work. He spent the day at the office or the studio every day. But he would be the first to say that his priority was music, yeah. that – his family, he loved us. He, he, he was a great dad. Um, he was a really good husband. But he, we were his mistresses, essentially, you know. Mm. And I understand this because before I was a, a husband or a father, I was a musician. It's really what I always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't—I mean, I, I guess in the back of my mind when I was even a teenager, I thought, you know, of course you want to— you know, fall in love and have a family, but that wasn't the focus. The focus was I want to conquer. I want to, I want to take the music business by storm, and I want to be a professional songwriter. And so I understood that actually, even as a teenager with my dad, that I didn't feel slighted. Really, you know, it was like he—that's what he loves. He, he his main focus is his work and his music. Did he want to? be a rock star and be and no. playing bands. He literally was just a musician who's like, I'm going to write jingles. Seems like an well, odd Well, no, jingle. I mean, it's actually, this is, this is one of my favorite things he ever um, imparted to me, which is, I think, an incredible concept. He started out as a, he was a child prodigy pianist, a classical pianist. Mm-hmm. He conducted his first orchestra at 12. At 12 years old, he got up in front of an orchestra and conducted <laughs> um, and then he, <laughs> then he moved to jazz, and he became a really popular jazz pianist in Chicago. So he played the, the top clubs. He was the house pianist at a place called Mr. Kelly's, which was really famous in Chicago. He would play for uh, the comedians and artists that would come into town. Um, he played with Lenny Bruce. He, he played piano while Lenny Bruce was doing his shtick, several, you know, many times. Um, so he had a really interesting career as a pianist and as a jazz guy. Made a, few, made a few albums. And then in the early 60s, 
uh, right around when I was born, I was born in 63, he uh, started his own jingle company. He had he, he worked for a year or two with one of the first jingle companies out of Chicago and just was basically doing all the work. So he started his own company. And then it, for 20-something years, he dominated that industry. So years later in the 80s when I was starting my career, I remember we were having dinner one night. And my dad said, you know, you got to remember something, Richard. The thing that I did that was my success, the thing that that was my uh, thing that I conquered when I was your age didn't exist. The jingle business didn't exist. Right. So I, that concept, I tell my kids that and I tell young people that, you know, the thing that you might end up being the most successful at might not even exist right now. Yeah. Well, was your mom just a stay-at-home mom? No, my mom um, was a singer. Um, she, she sang with big bands um, for a couple of years and then she met my dad. They had me and then my dad's jingle business was booming and she's, she's still, she's still around. She's 80. She's still can sing actually still. Um, she sang on all those commercials. So she sang on all the Kellogg's and Oldsmobile. She sang on That's almost crazy. every commercial he did. Yeah. Did you learn instruments as early as you, I mean, did he, did he always sit you at the piano and just like teaching? Yeah. He made me take piano lessons. They made me take piano lessons when I was five or six. Mm. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And after like six months, they said, you know, he's just, he, he's miserable. So they let me quit. And then a couple of years later, I wanted to take guitar lessons. Yeah. So I started taking guitar lessons. And then four or five years after that, I got really into, you know, Elton John and Billy Joel and piano players. And I, but I didn't want to admit to my parents that right. they had been right. So I would come home from school and I'd be in the basement on the piano, like learning stuff. And, and I remembered enough from when I was a little kid. Right. So I'm teaching myself. I'm, you know, I'm teaching myself based upon records on the radio. And it was like a year. I'd been playing the piano again for like a year. My parents didn't know. And then one day my dad came home early from work and he heard, he was like, is that you? Is you? Are you playing the piano? It's like, yeah, whatever. He said, well, let me show you. You're playing this chord wrong. <laughs> he must have been incredibly proud of you to then all of a sudden you start to catapult and start writing songs and going off. So you, you know, you either have an innate uh, singing ability, you know, all three of my sons do. Yeah. Um, and I just started singing around the house to Beatles records and Monkeys records. And, and so when I was like five or six, my dad, you know, the, the jingle business was booming for him. And he would, every once in a while he'd get, um, he'd have to do a, a, a job for a kid oriented thing, a breakfast cereal or a candy bar, or, you know. And so one day one of his associates said, why don't you just have Richard sing one of this? And my dad, I think, was he was a little afraid of nepotism, or sure. but he was like, "All right, we'll try it." So I go in and I just nailed it. It was like I had so much fun, and I did it in one take. You know, they taught me the "If you believe in peanut butter, clap your hands, clap your hands." Easy, right? <laughs> from that point on, so I did probably a hundred jingles oh from the time I was six or five to right into my you know teen years, and then. And then even a little bit after I moved away, when I moved to L.A. Um, and I was doing background vocals, if my dad would say, hey, I've got a double mint commercial you could do. That's cash. That's it cash. Like really yeah. good money. So he, he would still, you know, use me on jingles. How, how did the double mint one go? <laughs> That's the one with the twins. They had the two yeah. twins in the end. Um, I'll remember it. A double pleasure's waiting for you. A double pleasure from double mint gum. <laughs> 
That's crazy. <laughs> really catchy melodies, though. Yeah. He didn't, my dad didn't write any of the stupid slogans, any of the lyrics. He just wrote the melodies, the catchy tunes. And then get, would he still go play some jazz club on a Friday, Saturday night? No, hardly ever. Hardly he ever. He let it all go. He let it all go. I mean, he could still play. He was a badass right to the day he died. Right. But um, one time there was a, a jazz singer in the late 80s who came to him and begged him to come and play for her at Michael's Pub in New York, which is a pretty, you know, yeah. big deal. And he went and did a week with her, and he had a great time. Yeah. But you know what? He he kind of conquered everything he wanted to do. He kind of he achieved everything he wanted to do, and he never had eyes to be a star, or um, he never wrote songs. He wrote commercials. never wrote songs. No. Uh, did he ever play on stage with you? Did you? Yeah. Mm. He uh, that must have been amazing. Yeah, we. I did a tour in uh, the mid '90s, and we the band and I played with Atlanta Symphony. Somewhere in the Boston Philharmonic and Chicago Symphony. And so I asked my dad to write um, orchestral arrangements to, to my whole set. You know, I was, you know, it was rock. You know, we were. You were a rock star by the way. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the music yeah. was very rock at the time. It right. was like, you know, because I started at rock radio. And um, so the set was full of rock songs, but he wrote these really cool arrangements. And so he came out on the road with me and conducted the orchestra. Um, and every time I would introduce him, the because he was a very um, striking-looking guy. He was tall and very heavy. He, he fought his weight. He was big. I mean, you can. It's hard to imagine me with a dad that was obese, but he was huge. He was big, like two fifty, two hundred fifty yeah. pounds. But he had thick white curly hair and a white beard. And he was really into when he would conduct. He wouldn't just stand there and wave his arms. He was really into it, and he loved it. And so he was fun to watch on stage. And so what I would introduce the band, and then I introduced the orchestra, and I'm conducting my father, Dick Marks, and the audience would go nuts. And the first night I did that, completely without, you know, rehearsing it in my head, I said, you know, I never really told anybody this, but I said, you know, when I was a, from the time I was a little kid, I made the decision that I would be Richard. Because my dad, Dick Marks, was very famous in Chicago, where I'm from, and I thought, if I don't, if I'm not Richard— I will, he will forever be known as Big Dick, and we know what that would make me. Yeah. So, uh. I went, I went with Richard. <laughs> Coming up, a young Richard Marks asks Kenny Rogers for help, gets way more than he wanted. And Luke Marks talks about growing up with a rock star dad. More Father Time after this. Stay with us. <laughs> Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western, with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, 
I'm okay. When the truth is... I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say... Hang it in there. Because... If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. We're back, and today I'm playing an episode of Father Time with Jamie Kaler. Let's get back to his interview with Richard Marks and his 23-year-old son, Luke. Feels like you had kind of an idyllic childhood. I did. I really <laughs> I mean, did. It's honestly no tragedy, no no drama. No, Just I like, didn't hey, have, we all love each other and we're all doing great. Yeah. I mean, I really didn't have any anything until my dad died, which was, you know, it was tragic and sudden. It was a result of a car accident. So it was that messed me up bad, you know, because he and I were like really, really, really close. Um, but he was in his, he was 73. Right. Um, he was still really, you know, young. in a car accident. Yeah. Yeah. So that sucked. Yeah. Big time. But up until that moment, up until that event, my whole life was pretty much charmed, you know? Yeah. But I was always looking over my shoulder. I knew even when I was really young that this isn't, this isn't how most people get to go through life. Yeah. And so I, I was grateful, but I was always looking over my shoulder for what, when something bad was going to happen. There was yeah. a little bit of that, you know? Do you think, do you think about that? Does that register with you? I used to a lot more than it does right now. I mean, I think it's just because I see you all the time. I'll think about it, but I used to, I used to. When you were here and he was in Chicago or the opposite? Well, when I was in Chicago and you were here, even before that, when I was a kid, when I was eight, nine, 10, probably till I was like 14, one of my biggest fears was losing my parents. It would keep me up at night. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's everybody's fear at that point. I mean, when you're a little, sometimes you're like, man, if I, if I can yeah. get rid of them. <laughs> man, the things I could accomplish if they would just let me stay up to watch Y5O. I could really get some you shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then you get to a certain age, you know, it's like, I mean, the kids, we'll talk about that too, because when they're little, they're so, like, I have two little babies and they're sweet, they're horrible, whatever, but they're always, ah, daddy, I love you. I'm waiting for the 14 year old to tell me to go fuck myself. Yeah. <laughs> and then that the 25 year old to come home and go, dad, I was sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You're yeah. going to have conflict. You're mm -hmm. definitely yeah. going to have conflict, but that doesn't mean that you're going to have one of your kids tell you to go fuck yourself. It might happen, but. Well, you, you know. had three boys. Yeah. Three and boys. And none of them have ever told me to go fuck myself. Well, not to your face. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> not to your face. <laughs> well, just now. It's the first just, time to my honestly, face. Honestly, well, it happens sometimes. <laughs> so let's talk about that then. So you, you, left, you left right after high school and said, I'm going to L.A. Yeah. Uh, this is it. I'm going to be a rock well, star. Well, I was going to go to college. I was, I, was, I was planning to go to Northwestern and study music, you know, which would, would have been such a jerk off. Well, you just would have wasted two years before you decided <sighs> to go to L.A. But I, um, with some debt. I was in my senior year of high school and I had recorded a few songs. Of my first songs, and you know, it, it was a fluke. A f guy that I knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy who knew Lionel Richie, and Lionel Richie heard the. I couldn't believe he listened to the. It was a cassette tape. My phone number was written on the back, and he called me, and said, "Hello." <laughs> <laughs> Come on. How, did I, how could I not take that? You had to. Is it you, you I'm looking for? That, I'm sorry. I'm that singing. That's it. terrible. It's, I sound terrible. Uh, um, you can imagine. This is like when he, it was maybe he and Michael Jackson were the biggest, the biggest, the biggest people on earth. On earth. And yeah. he well, said, Richie's still a bomb. This. Yeah, he's a great guy. Um, 
I heard these songs and man, you know, I really like your voice and you, what are you doing? What are you, you should move to LA because you're not going to do anything there. And I looked at my parents and I was like, Lionel Richie says I should come to L.A. and blow off college. And they went, go. See you. Yeah. yeah. They were like, go for it. That's awesome, too, as a parent to go like, yeah, yeah. Even though you're 18 years old. But obviously you were, you know, I was, yeah. pretty, pretty established. And you seem like a pretty. Um, I was pretty focused. You were they pretty focused. They weren't worried about me. Me seeing you year in high school would have been a disaster. I'm going off to Barbados. Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This, this dude called. He said there's a bartending job. You're 18. I don't know. <laughs> um, so off you went, yeah. Lionel Richie, and you ended up, did you, you? I sang on his first solo record, and then he recommended me as a background singer to a couple other people. So I ended up singing background on, like you mentioned, Julio Iglesias, which was awesome, Madonna, Whitney Houston. And then I was singing, uh, Lionel, you know, and Kenny Rogers have a history. They, it was Lionel wrote <clears throat> Lady. That was like Kenny's biggest hit. Yeah. And so Lionel said, you should hire this kid from Chicago that I've been working with to sing on your new record. So Kenny's people hired me for two days. And it was like, so we, I was singing on like three or four different songs on this album. So I went in, did the session, and I overheard Kenny saying to his producer, you know, we're still, we still need that ballad. We still need that, that song that, and he described the song that they needed. <laughs> and I had a session the next day. So I went home and I wrote this song I came in the next day and I did exactly what you should never ever, ever, do ever, as a background ever. singer. Do you want to get fired? This is, yeah. it was, looking back, it was so fucking stupid. <laughs> but I'm on the session and I remember thinking, I can't do this. I'm going to get, this is so, I was shaking. I was so scared. But I was like, I got to fucking do this. Hey, so we took Kenny? a break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I called him Mr. Rogers. No, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> That's so funny. Do you have a minute? Yeah. I said, Mr. Rogers, funny thing. Yeah. You're, this is gonna, you're gonna crack up. I'm a songwriter as well. Um, and he listened to it. He said, well, uh, okay, let's hear your song. So I went, we went to the, the, there was a piano next door and I sat at the piano. I played in this song called Crazy. Played it live. I played it live. I didn't know that. I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't have a demo of it. Yeah. I was living in my shitty that apartment. Have, that must have been nerve wracking. Oh my God. Uh, like to go, hey. So he's like, you know, I like this song. It's good. This is good. This is good. Huh? How about at the end, if you, if you add this word here? And I went, yeah, okay. He goes, great, we're co-writers. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it says it's now in that written song, by. written by Kenny Rogers and Richard Marks. And, and I, for a second, I got pissed off. And I was like, hey, 100% of nothing is nothing. Yeah. So I, and the song went to number one. It was well, a number one country song called Crazy. And, and he, to this day, we joke about it. He looks at me, he goes, you know, I didn't write any of that song, but I still get half the money. He gets checks every day <laughs> yes, for that stupid exactly. thing. That's awesome, which I'm sure you ended up. I, mean, I bought my first car with you, it, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, how soon after did you get married and have kids? It well, was, I mean, it's a little more complicated yeah, than that. Get okay, into that. So I think it was, shit, like a year or so after I moved to L.A. and started working as a background singer. One of the jobs I got hired to do was on a movie soundtrack for the sequel to Staying Alive, uh, to uh, Saturday Night Fever, mm -hmm. which was called Staying Alive. Oh, yeah. And starring John Travolta and Cynthia Rhodes, mm -hmm. who I met and, and had a massive crush on. And I sang some background vocals on a song that she and uh, Travolta did. And then I didn't see her for a couple of years. And I ran into her again a couple of years later. It was like a year or two before I got a record deal. And we started dating. And so we were together 
when I did my first record. And then I did my first tour and everything blew up. And at that point, we had been together for three and a half right. years. And it was kind of like that shit or get off the pot moment in a relationship. Yeah. Just, you know, even though Cynthia and I are divorced, you know, I, I think nothing. But after 25 years of yeah. marriage. Yeah. And we had a really, really great run, right. you know, together. But um, I wouldn't hesitate to say that I think that being with her or being married or being in a committed relationship at that time probably saved me a little bit because I, I think I could have easily gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, it was the eighties. It was the eighties. It was just debauchery central, you know? And I think that and you had I, to make a phone call at the end of the night. <laughs> it, well, let's talk to Lou for a second. It must've been odd as growing up and in, in, in this household. And you're like, we, you were on tour a lot and recording and I wouldn't say odd, you know, it was from birth. So we were just sort of used to it. Um, there's something to be said for the fact that we're all three musicians. We're all three singers. We're all three producers. And that you don't hate me. We don't, for the most part. <laughs> uh, no, we don't hate you. And they came out on the road with me a lot. A lot. We started a thing where I would take them one at a time. So right. I'd have one-on-one -on -one time with them. Because there's that thing you'll see. You're when, like the perfect father. This is I, so I, I odd am. to me. You're like a rock star, but there's no like, oh, then I woke up with the hookers and the blow. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't seen my son in 15 right. years. You're like... It was a day job to you in a weird way. Well, the other thing is that, you know, it needs to be said that the, that there was a period like in the late 90s when I put out a record after 10 years. We put out a record that didn't light up the charts. What? No. But it was like a 10-year run. I was like, okay, I knew this day would come. You can't, nobody, you know, very years. few people go on, you know, past that. And so, and the, and the boys were, you know— Seven, five. They were young. And how, Luke, how old are you now? 23. You're the youngest. Middle. The middle. You're the middle. Mm -hmm. Jesse's 22 and Brandon's 25. And I started to shift into writing and producing for other artists. I was still touring a little bit and, and I would put out records sporadically. But most of the time I was in, I built a studio at home. And that's when I started producing in sync yeah. and getting to the country thing with Keith Urban and all. So when they were growing up, InSync was hanging at their house? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Were you like— Remember when JC yeah. went and picked you guys up from camp? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a line of people. Talk about going to school. Were the, other, were the girls in the school like, hey, can we come over to your house? You know what's funny is when we were going to school, no offense, but the, the ki it wasn't the kids. It was the parents that, that knew who he was. And, and, and when we started hanging out with people, it was then that they kind of informed the kids that— in sync over yeah. Luke's house today. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? Luke's dad <laughs> yeah. used to be kind of like a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure he did a bunch of blow. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. You, you, your work ethic is be above and beyond. Mm -hmm. Now, you were raising three boys. Was he a, a bit of a slave driver about like, hey, get off your ass and get some work done? Yeah. yeah and did you listen to him? Not for a while. I, it took me until two years ago to really get out my, get out my shit. Um, well, it's hard. You grew up an affluent kid in yeah. Chicago. Maybe you should have punished him more and lived yeah. in a tiny little <laughs> shithole apartment with him. Yeah. And maybe he would have worked harder as opposed to some beautiful well, I did that. mansion. I did live you in did. A, I did live. Well, it wasn't a shithole. It wasn't exactly it, shit it was the 42nd floor, but it was, I lived in a really tiny apartment for a while. In um, Chicago? Yeah, downtown Chicago. 
pay for oh, it Oh, you poor was, kid. You yeah. okay? I was oh, you, the, oh, hold on. Back up. With a view of Neiman Marcus did on you Michigan Avenue. Did you pay for it by yourself? <laughs> I did, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Luke, are you okay? I was, I was, it was, it was rough. I was working two jobs <laughs> oh at the time. Oh, my God. Where did you work? <laughs> what did tell you, him, oh, my gosh. Where you work, Luke. I, was a, I was a host. Oh, at a rest- restaurant. Oh, no. <laughs> Fuck you. You self-entitled little boy. Do you, do you give kids shit? Like, how are the other two? Same. Same. Yeah. Yeah. My but they're general, talented. They're talented. They're you're incredibly like, yeah, I've heard them talented. sing. They're incredibly ta- incredible. Yeah. Talented. Lucas has, has found his drive at the same time he's found his Too late. Sound. He's 23. <laughs> he's fucked. <laughs> Welcome to fucking Hollywood. Oh, you're older than 14? Say goodbye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now they're all kind of doing. You look, my joke, which is not a joke, is I have three sons and that one goddamn doctor. They all want to be. I want to be a musician like dad. No, no, you don't. This is not the time to be doing this. No, there was no escaping it. No, there was no to be fair, it. your your father Richard did it perfectly, where he got it out of his system and then he found a job within his love where he could stay home. He went. He came home every night, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was home that. every night. That's why sometimes as a comic or something, I'm always thinking about maybe Vegas and let the people come to you. You know, where you're just home yeah, every night. Yeah, but you and I both, I, I think that you and I also have this, uh, we're gypsies, you know? I do. I like changing jobs. Like, I love the fact that I do this, I go act, I host, I do the road. Yeah. Were there any crazy stories? No fights? No one oh, almost yeah. died? There were know. definitely some fights, well, yeah. yeah. dysfunction like every, every okay. family. Okay, yeah. of course. But it wasn't, it wasn't uh, crippling. It was never crippling. I think the probably the the worst of the worst fights brought us closer together. It's pretty um, idyllic. I mean, not as idyllic as my childhood. My childhood was pretty yeah, you got perfect. A, yeah, you're like a Norman Rockwell painting. Yeah, he also had you know his first wife uh, was was not my mother, obviously. Man. You know, I mean, in, in any way, shape, or form, my mom, you know, was she kind of dominated my upbringing. My dad did his work, and he was great. he was affectionate, and you know, once once every month we'd throw the ball back and forth together, whatever. But I've, I've, yeah, you don't seem that athletic to me. Hey, wait, really? what? What? Back up! <laughs> I don't seem that athletic. No, no. I mean, I've seen you. I've seen you on stage. You, you, okay. you bring it. You're pretty. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, he. But my mom kept the family the. The lack of dysfunction came yeah. from, really from my mom. Was your mom like that, Luke? Did she obviously? Did she say, wait till your father comes home? You'll be punished. Yeah, or she'd call him on the phone, and it was always a and he's joint like, decision of who, you know, the punishment. And he's like, "Hey, babe, I'm walking on stage." No, in, I was going to say in Frankfurt. Babe, right I'm now. with three hookers, and I'm going blow. I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> Here, talk to Melody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here's Ginger. He was, he was way more lenient with 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 shit. We'd always go to him for like. You know, he was cool dad, though. Yeah, he was cool dad. We were like, yeah, that sounds good. And she's like, they, they can't drive. They're 14. They can't borrow the car. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, they'll be fine. They'll you be know fine. what's weird is there were specific things, though. There were things that, that you were way harder on, and there were things that mom was way harder on. Like what? Oh, man, I don't know if I could give you an example. Uh, the more serious stuff, if it was a little more serious, he was way harder on us. But, like, the lighter stuff, he didn't really give a fuck what, about. What's, what's, what's a serious thing that he would be like, seriously, you got to do this? Uh, I, I the most was, serious thing that ever happened with me was the skateboarding accident. Oh, yeah. And you were – mom was I, – I, I was uh, 13 years old, and I uh, I didn't know how to skateboard at all, but I was interested in it. And I took one of my buddy's skateboards, <laughs> and I uh, I wanted to go fast, so I put the skateboard on this 
half mile long hill that it's a sure. bluff that goes down to a beach. Tell them, you were, tell them what you were wearing. Makes wearing sense. Flip flops, uh, shorts, no helmet. <laughs> I was. Wearing, I was. I was. I, was I wasn't wearing, wearing a, anything. Uh, a thong bathing yeah, a suit speedo. and some uh, mineral oil. That was pretty much it. Just the two things on my body. Uh, and you know, road rash. No. No, I, oh, I did. Jesus. I made it all the way down the hill. Okay. Uh, and at the bottom of the hill was a building. Sure. With a curb. Mm-hmm. So going, you know, 30, 40 miles an hour on a skateboard, I hit a curb and ran straight into a wall. Uh, easily could have died. But I uh, I broke my wrist. I broke my ankle. I broke my nose. And you almost lost an eye. Yeah. I, I broke my nose, actually, because I, I hit the wall. And I didn't break my nose when I hit the wall. I fell and hit a tree trunk that hit me right on the side of the nose. Um, you still and- interested in skateboarding? Yeah, well, I was, I was after that, but not anymore. Um, so we get this call. He's five minutes away at the park district, and all we know is that uh, your son has had a skateboarding incident. So we jump in the car and we. So drive you were home, down. luckily. Yeah, we were home. We were right there. We drive down, and as we drive down, we see paramedics, and then we get out, and the first thing we see is three or four paramedics surrounding him who's on the ground not moving. There's no movement whatsoever. So there was that second where you go, oh, maybe he's dead. You know, because you don't. Yeah. So, yeah. I have I was, that every day. So once I knew he was fine, I wanted to fucking kill him. You know what's funny? I, I remember laying on the ground. And, you know, this is a great example of, of the more serious stuff because I knew that, <clears throat> I knew laying there that mom was going to be really upset and I knew that at some point he was going to be pissed. And I I was so scared of, of being okay and being able to like walk again. He's got a broken, broken bones. He's like, dad's going to be pissed. I knew so he, was gonna, he was going to flip. In a minute, Richard Marks gets his grown son to say the two words every parent dreams of. More father time coming up. <laughs> Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western, with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. We're back with Father Time with Jamie Kaler. 
His guest, Richard Marks, released his first album at just 24 years old, which, like, that that takes a lot of discipline. Richard Marks told Jamie that sometimes it's hard to not hold his own kids to the same standards that he has for himself. Yeah, I ex- I think maybe my expectations of my sons in certain ways have been somewhere between realistic and unrealistic, as most <laughs> as most parents are. And when they and when they do something that is so clearly um, not thought out and and no no uh, thought of repercussions, I'm less sympathetic, and I can be I can be pretty brutal with them. And I think that in, maybe one of my downfalls. Um, you know, objectively, was that I I expected a certain level of maturity from them based upon the fact that right. I was really mature. Right, when I was that and that's age. not the way it works. And that's not the way it works. No. and they would be looking <clears throat> at me like I'm not you, you know. And so that was that was probably one of my biggest hurdles as a father. It's, even to this day, there are times when because when I I can't compare when I was you know Brandon's 25 and he's still kind of trying to figure out what he's doing. He's doing some really great work. He's incredibly talented. He's maybe, I mean, we can all agree. He's like one of the best singers in the world. Mm-hmm. You're a great singer. Jesse's a great singer. At 25, you were? A millionaire. On top of the charts. Multi-millionaire. It's weird, right? And it wasn't just luck. It was like I was you really successful at 25 because I was so focused and I just didn't do stupid shit. Right. I was completely focused on succeeding. And I mean, that's the opposite end of the spectrum, though. Yeah, that's almost a little OCD rain man. And I know of that, that focus intellectually, yeah. intellectually, you know what I mean. It must yeah, be hard definitely. to have that as a father. Oh yeah, definitely. Intellectually, <clears throat> I know that it's not fair for me to make any comparison. But then there's a part of me that also just goes, "Well, when I was twenty, I do that. I know. I, when I was twenty-five, I was, I had a, I, I owned it. a house." I say that to my two and a half year old. I'm like, just think about what you're doing. <laughs> Don't act stupid. What is wrong with you? You climbed on that before you fell off. Are you, yeah, what, really? are you not getting How it? What times? are you not getting? <laughs> and my wife's like, what are you, what's wrong with you? She's, what is she doing? She's a dumbass. She's two and a half. Yeah. All yeah. three of them finally did come to a point where they, they would have to say to me, I'm not you. You can't, yeah. you know, I, I'm me. I'm going to do my thing my way. Do you remember when they were little, little kids and you were out? And about mm-hmm. was it just was it was there just abject terror and fear of something happening? Like I can't get over the fact that I, I'm afraid for them all the time. Yeah, I think that's normal. But I, I I've always you were been, focused on your music. Yeah, I didn't care. You were that guy. <laughs> well, so let somebody else deal with that shit. I got to write. I got to write a bridge to this song. <laughs> no, we, there was a there was a little less of that. You know what, Jamie? Because they did live in a bubble. Mm-hmm. I I. And I, my ex-wife and I um, engineered, whether it was conscious or unconscious, the fact that we left L.A. Not that people don't raise kids successfully, happily here. They don't. Well, yeah, pretty much they We don't. think about leaving yeah. with the kids. But I, they were raised in what my ex-wife calls Mayberry. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it was so idyllic and so right. – nothing bad happens 7, there. 7,000 people in the town. Yeah, 7,000 people. Right outside Chicago. Right on Lake Michigan. Did you guys go to private schools? We went to a public school, but it, That's it was, the, the, most, public it was, it was the most private public school <laughs> exactly. that you could possibly imagine. Lake Forest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, I, I call it Stepford. Is it the, it's very Stepford. Did you fit in there? Or were you, you kind of the out? You were the out. They That's were like, who's the rock star? Yeah. I remember you guys shitting on Lake Forest and my boys. Uh, yeah, we shit on Naperville. I think we shit yeah. on a lot in Lake Forest. 
I just, they were words to me. I, I barely remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lake Forest is this part. sort of really um, snooty. Yeah. But we didn't, yeah, we didn't really fit into that. We never. We really, were an actress and a rock star. Yeah. Raising three boys. Yeah. Were you guys all a clan of the, the Marx boys, the Marx brothers? Oh, yeah. Were people oh, yeah. that you messed with one, you messed with them all? Yeah, yeah, it was more so. Brandon was very protective of both me and Jesse, as as well as being just a total dick as a as a kid. Yeah, he was Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, he was. Um, <laughs> but it was mostly him that was the oldest. Was was he trouble? The oldest one? Yeah. Oh yeah, he'd be the first to tell you. Did you bail him out of jail a couple times? No jail, but just stupid shit. Just typical stupid shit. And he, um, you know, he looks back on it now, and just. A couple times, actually, it's really sweet. A couple times in the last year, even at twenty-five, he's like, he'll, he'll, you know, I was just thinking about. Remember that time when I was seventeen and blah blah blah. blah and I go, yeah. And he go, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was such an asshole. I said that to my father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets sorry. it. But they've all. Um, the other thing that they've all done independently of each other, which is the, the greatest for me, is they've said, okay, so I'm just going to say this one time, and I'm never going to say it again. Hmm. But you were You're right. right yeah. <laughs> Whether it was something where I, you know, remember that thing where you and I argued and I told you to go fuck yourself, Dad? Well, you turned out to be right. Do you remember that time with us? At the, we were, I, I moved yeah. out of the house when I was 18 years old. I didn't we go to college. We were getting sushi. Yeah. Wait, he, he, he wanted you to go to college? I don't know. Did you want me to go to college? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I guess you did. Of course. I, I'd, I'd done some acting stuff in, in Chicago enough that I felt like if I went to L.A. that, you know. I was under the impression that I'd get here and it'd be like, here we so, go. Yeah. Rock star. I'm, ground running. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to town, yeah. my son. Um, That's really funny. So I, I'd been here for, I guess, a year at that point, And I was just so down on, on myself and everything because nothing was happening the way I wanted it to. He came into town and we, we went out to sushi. And I remember thinking back on that year that I'd spent just – completely failing and how much I learned. And it was the first probably fully adult conversation that we'd ever had. And I looked at him across the table and we were talking about something serious. And I said, you know, everything they used to tell me when I was a kid, all the advice he used to give. Yeah, you were right. And so I said, hey, hang on one second. Excuse me. Man. Yeah. <laughs> this came is over. true. Said, this Can is you true. come over here for a second? I said, would you say that again in front of me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, what's funny is you think acting like, oh, I'll just stumble in. But the, the truth is it's the work ethic that your dad put in that yeah. made him – I mean, how many songs did you write before you sold one? Thousands and thousands yeah. of songs, right? Yeah. Acting, sometimes we think like, oh, I just get in front of the camera and I'll – it's right. really – All right, listen. Um, all right. I close the show with questions. The same questions to everybody. And obviously, uh, Luke's here, so he would find out. But what's one thing you hope your kids never find out about you or you are glad they never found out about you? And besides the blowing hookers. I will tell, I'll answer the question this way. There are, there have been times where I very, I went against my integrity that I regret that I wouldn't share with anybody if I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. But there are things that I, you know, in my history where I go, I hate that I did that. I wouldn't volunteer that necessarily. I, and if they did find out, I, mean, I don't know that there's anything that they'd be like, what? But yeah. there, would, might, there might be things like where they'd be like, really? Wow. Mm. Like what? I know. Now I'm so intrigued. <laughs> well, you should have known better. 
Yeah. He's got so many songs and you can it just don't zing. It don't mean that. <laughs> zing. That is zinged you. <laughs> Integrity, like you mean like in business dealings or in- Yeah, for sure. There yeah. have been a couple, not- You didn't Kenny Rogers anybody. somebody. No. Hey, I think this word should be that. No, but when it comes to business, there there have been times when I, when I escaped failure- by the skin of my teeth because I didn't have my shit together because I wasn't prepared. Yeah. And I'm so adamant about being, you know, my thing is, you know, success is when uh, opportunity and preparation collide. And I say things to them like, you know, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. I say all those things, Does he, right? Did he do that growing up where you're like, dad, I got it. Yep. There's a cat hanging from a tree yep. in your bedroom. Yeah. With, just hang in there, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you, but there were, there have been Did you get those from your father? Yeah, my dad was all about. Well, he wrote jingles, so he, <laughs> he was he was such a pro. And the and the one thing that I never wanted to do was disappoint my father in terms of my professionalism. Mm. Or, so why are these kids disappointing you with their professionalism? Because they're a different times? generation. They, it's a different generation. They're a different generation. They look at me like I'm not you. Well, you looked at your father and said, "I'm going to be you." Yeah. <laughs> What's one trait that you hope your kids get from you uh, or your wife? Your ex-wife. <laughs> Not your new wife. <laughs> Other traits from your what's new one, wife. Yeah, what's one trait that that you would like Daisy to uh, impart? Yeah. Um, business acumen. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Well, you know what? Seriously. Yeah. They Ser- all get seriously. Yeah, she's on her shit. She's on her shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They all really, yeah. I mean, they all like her, but they all have said to me, wow, she's really impressive. Yeah, yeah there's a respect there for sure. Yeah. yeah. And she's been really, she loves them and she like gives them ideas in terms of their branding and, and mm-hmm. any help that she can. It is about branding. It's all about branding. Really? What's your, uh, where's your video? Do you have a YouTube channel? Yeah, it's on YouTube at Lucas Marks Music. At Lucas Marks Music. YouTube.com slash Lucas Marks Music. And Brandon is, uh, he goes by Open Water. Open Water. Which is, he's into EDM, electronic music. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesse Marks is, he's a metal, he's in a metal band. Um, and he's about to do his first band record. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really great. When is Marks a Palooza going to happen? Where it's <laughs> all, the, all the Marks kids I would love for that, a weekend actually. out in Coachella. I would love mm-hmm. that. Uh, what is one trait you hope your kids don't get from you? Hmm. Mm. I can't honestly, Richard. I'm kind of awesome. You're mm. pretty great. Your no. deep, deep narcissism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, if, no. If no, he was, that, that served me well. I think yeah, it would honestly, serve me yeah. well too. Narcissism goes a long way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I have learned in the last two and a half years is how to celebrate. I hmm. never knew how to celebrate. You know, when I first started dating my wife now, um, she, one night we were just on the phone talking, I was on the road and we were talking on the phone and she said, you know, I was, I saw something today about some of your hits and I was looking at, she said, I I meant to ask you, like, how did you celebrate when Right Here Waiting went to number one? How did you celebrate when Repeat Offender was the number one album? How did you celebrate when, and I went, what do you mean? She went, well, every time you had a number, she said, you've had 14 number one songs. How did you celebrate? I went, I, I didn't, so, I was like too busy working. I would have died after the first number one hit. The, <laughs> that party would have fucking Dude. destroyed the earth. So Me too. I, I would have had one me number too. hit. I would have been like, I made it. Yeah. Let's rock. There's no number two for there me. There wasn't even a dinner. Which is probably why most bands are, one, you know, a lot of bands are one hit wonders. That's they true. have one hit and then they go, done it. So I would say to them, <laughs> that's don't a, wait to celebrate. Yeah. That's a great answer. But don't celebrate too hard. Right. Right. Do still a little something. Right. Yeah. Don't go crazy. Don't go crazy. Get another number one hit. Yeah, don't buy the yacht. 
My guest today, Mr. Richard Marks and his son, Luke. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for coming to being a part of this. Um, If that's not father-son time, I don't know what is. You guys rock. Thank you for joining me, and uh, we'll see you on the next edition of Father Time. All right, now the middle school me is just totally geeking out. Thank you to Jamie Kaler for interviewing Richard and Luke Marks for Father Time. If you liked that episode, there's a whole season of Father Time where Jamie Kaler interviews other celebrity dads, people like Jason Alexander and Joel McHale. It's all on Howl. To hear more Father Time, go to howl.fm slash father. And you can use the code father for one month of access to all the great shows on Howl, including Father Time, for free. That's howl.fm slash father. And of course, now that I've shared my middle school rock star crush, I think it's only fair that you share yours. Go to longestshortesttime.com and leave your comment on this episode. That's episode 92. This podcast is produced by me, Hillary Frank, and Abigail Keel. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and the Reverend John Delore. Our theme music is by the Batteries Duo. We get editorial support from Anne-Marie Baldonado and Antonia Acatunde. We had extra help this week from Luz Fleming. Father Time is a Howl original and a production of Midroll Media. It is produced by Josh Richmond and Dana Wickens. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. We'll have Anna Sale from Death, Sex, and Money here, and she'll be telling us all about her dad's convoluted birds and the bees talk involving strawberry shortcake. Strawberry's parents decided they wanted to have another kid, and he explained to us how it worked. And I can, and we were young enough that, like, what I remember thinking is, like, what? Don't miss this show, people. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, be a nice person and just rate us and write us a review. It helps other people to find our show. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we want to hear your stories. Tell us anything about your relationship with your kids or your relationship with your parents. We just want to be surprised. We especially love hearing from teenagers. Are you a teenager? Do you have teenagers? Write to us. Go to LongestShortestTime.com and submit your story. My name is Katie Couric. I love to talk and I love to ask questions. Have you always been a feminazi like me, Rebecca? I was born a feminazi. There is so much coming at us fast and furiously every day, but I don't think anybody's explaining it very well. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast. Right now in the polls, Hillary beats Donald Trump. I know, but polls schmoles, Esther, to go a little deeper than the wrestling match that you currently see on cable television. It does make you think that what we do here is important to generations beyond us. So listen, subscribe, and let's help each other figure out what's going on. Stand up. You sing your wolf? Yeah. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. 
We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western, with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. 